I want to thank everyone who helps this monastery financially very much. We really appreciate that. I'll let you know if you can help help us. Please continue to help us if you can. This operation, this monastery business, especially in this country and in this particular spiritual path, does not produce a product. So if you can help, help. We need help. Training monks and meditators. Training meditators and monks. Training anyone who meditates, if they're interested. <clears throat> you may need to become a monk. You may not. That is your business, whether you need that much glue to stick yourself to this ancient teaching. Very difficult to do in a society that doesn't support this in any way, particularly. Might even get in the way of studying in this way. So, as I said, I'm gonna, going, I am going to look at a couple things here. One is, uh, is we, in order to train, my way of seeing this, this is very experiential for me over a long period of time, uh, within a few days of being uh, 82 years. So my experience in school was horrible. And I won't go into that so much as to say that the way in which I learn, I have had to find that out myself. I didn't have an educator help me with that. When they would see that I was not doing well, I did not get help. The kind of help I needed, I should say that way. I learned very slowly. But I do learn. It just takes a long time. So therefore, I didn't get help. So right away, and let's say my right away here is right away, the 1960s, I started to contemplate that. Why is it that I meet people? This is before I started meditating, and when I was still completely full of myself. Well, more full than I am now, I should say. Uh, and I noticed that people's intelligence levels uh, operated in lots of different ways. And I, I um, my wife at the time and I were beginning to have some children. And I was thinking they're gonna be subjected to that same situation. Well, luckily they had a very, very conventionally smart mom. And so they inherited all of that. So they didn't have much trouble in school. But I read a book called uh, by A.S. Neal called Summerhill. Any of you have read that, perhaps? But uh, yes, Monica has, not surprised. Um, and also Michelle Reed. And so uh, it's a powerful book. He doesn't cover all the bases there. And he, he's, he was limited by his own cultural uh, contamination back at that time. But he, he had an idea uh, that I call meeting people where they're at. And his was, don't do anything with these kids. You just let them, let's see what they do if we don't do anything. And of course, there's several examples in there of people, uh, young people, all they did is play, uh, um, what, cowboys and Indians or something until they got into their teens. And then they thought they might want to do something else. <laughs> and so they would ask, how do I do this? And then they would tell them, well, you need to study this, this, and this, and you need to pass this test or whatever. A very interesting area uh, about how people, different ways that people actually learn. Learning is not about facts. Learning is not about collecting information. Learning actually is not about knowledge, surprisingly, although we may need some, the relative knowledge. So 
That's the thing about smartphones. Yeah, they're not. So go slow. I'm going to read a few points here and we can discuss it later. Go slow. Uh, I have uh, something that I uh, refer to as uh, CCC. Communicate, cooperate, collaborate. You, you're not going to do the last two unless there's a lot of communication. And you're not even going to do that one unless there's a lot of receiving. I'm not talking about 50-50. I'm talking about 90-10. Listen 90% of the time, unless the situation takes you away from that, which it likely will. But the the uh, using that particular form to, to give you an idea of where you're at with that, you'll notice that might be producing so much production that it might get in the way of something that you would be good if you knew about that, but you won't know about it because you're busy talking, telling people what you know, what you don't know, what you should do, what you should, what you did do, what you, what you thought about, what they thought about when you did that, then they, what they thought about that, then you came back with what you, and of course your interpretation was based on experience. I mean, come on. The world is full of just, it's just a, it's like a 15,000 people on one jungle gym. Nothing against jungles or gyms. Another thing is, uh, besides the 90-10, is repetition. Study the same material over and over. We do it here. We, we've studied, uh, I'm going to have uh, Onyo ask her to uh, type up a list and read it here pretty soon of all of everything we studied here, just so you'll have an idea of how many different directions we go to study the Dharma, not just stuff I say, although we study that too. But the, the Dharma uh, needs to be studied repetitively. Right number of syllables? Repetitive, 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 repetitively. Okay. No convent. No. No conventional memory testing. That is none of your business. It's just a. It's it's an insult to people's intelligence to take fifteen people and give them all the same test when it's obvious everybody has different size ears. You have an abundance, uh, but I'm just saying that everyone is so much different. We really, if we're going to train somebody, if we're going to fundamentally train somebody, especially on the spiritual path, we need to be very, very respectful of the way in which they receive. It's so important. And uh, overlooked, ignored, use whatever word you want. No conventional memory testing. You do, need, you do not need to collect a bunch of information and commit it to memory. Now, if you wanted to do that, Go ahead. Or if you have the ability to, to do that, like some people do, by all means. I'm not, I'm not against that. I'm saying, but don't use that as an indicator of anything other than a good memory. It might be conjoined with or connected with or part of someone's particular style or their insight or their ability to analyze or process lots of material because they can remember they don't have to look over at notes. 
look what I'm using. You could say, well, shouldn't you put that down and just memorize all that? No. The conventional memory testing, and I had experiences of this, and I, I've told Unyu, I'm not going to go into my own personal stuff, but I think I need to a little bit. Just that I, I really was interested. It's a simple example, and I could go into, into it more if you ask questions later on, but I really was interested in arithmetic when I was very young. And I was interested in just the formulaic process there. I didn't, I wouldn't be able to say that at that time, but I was interested that you could take something that symbolized something else, like a, a, a number six. No, let's take the number nine. Number nine just looks like a bunny rabbit, you know, when you're four years old or five or six or seven or eight or nine. To me, it looked, they, they look like images of things, really. And so it was hard for me to convert. I was, it was hard for me to convert that into from what it looked like it meant to me to what other people told me it meant, so to speak. So I, I was very, um, I was just not unnatural at that. So therefore, I was, uh, since I could not live up to a certain way of what testing, as I've said, you've heard me say before, long division just looks like it's either the continent of Africa or possibly South America, depending on, depending on, wouldn't you say? No. And so it was, it was very confusing and I, I didn't get any, I did not get any direct help with that. So here's, you have this uh, child who's very interested in, uh, in everything and getting shut down. Uh, the one thing I remember is, uh, a teacher that seemed to be genuine, and this is later on, I think this was uh, in, a, in a math class somewhere in the long after that period, the teacher saying, so uh, she explained everything. She says, did everybody understand that? Looked around the room and I, I did not understand that. And I knew better than to ask a question, but here she was practically begging for questions. And so she asked again, did, did, is it, did we need to go ahead? Did everyone, under, everyone understand? I think, I don't know if it was which kind of, it probably was uh, geometry, which was uh, interesting, but why are you snickering? Because <laughs> you didn't like it either. <laughs> so anyway, they she seemed to ask, you know, like uh, more than twice. So I, I said it. And as she immediately started scolding me, she immediately started saying, class, didn't I just explain this to everybody? And so that she used me as a, what, what do they call a, a whipping giraffe? Yeah. So she did that and I just thought, yeah, there, here we go again. <laughs> she didn't really mean that. She didn't want questions. So here's just a couple of reasons. The, uh, from my own experience of the downside of being very slow and the upside of uh, eventually seeing that maybe there's a lot of other people who are very slow or learn in a different way. Not Maybe it's not even slow, but just a different way of handling information and messages. Repetition seems to take care of a lot of that. So we've studied, uh, we're going to hear a list of these sutras pretty quick, but we, I think we've studied the uh, uh, Chisho, which sutras that you hate? <laughs> Where is he? He's lying. I mean, I don't like uh, the way Lankavatara is presented. Yeah, <laughs> Lankavatara. You probably would write, like the original, though, wouldn't you? If you're really... I, 
I wouldn't mind re reorganizing it, I guess. I don't know. It's <laughs> such a dump of just good ideas. <laughs> okay. So and then there's uh there's the example of Avatamsaka Sutra, which which we laid that to rest yesterday with the help of Monica. I think we're we're done discussing the value of that. We got it from her, didn't we? No. He agrees. Monica. So uh, uh, a little bit silly, but I'm just saying there's just it's a it's a critical area that is not often looked at. And I would if I had my way, uh, which I don't, but if I did, I would just develop a different way of educating people just based on you could even do this with uh, with second graders. You could actually meet them where they're at in that world, somewhat the way A.S. Neal was trying to do uh, back in the what 1950s or 60s or whatever. Meet people where they're at. And, and assume that there's one kind of intelligence, which means you have to remember things and you have to be good at. You have to be very good at reproducing a formula. This is my big uh, contention I have there. It's, it's, it's works. It's uh, you don't have to figure it out over and over again. You can always just use the formula, apply the formula. And I don't have that kind of, a, of a, an ability. So the downside is I have to look at every single thing on its face over and over and over again. So I don't get to take this formula and just I run into this and then I just apply the formula over and over and over and over. So I can't do it. So the handicap actually led me into, shall we call this, I don't know, I hate to use this word because it's not exactly that, but thinking for myself. In other words, I found out if I wanted to know something, I could probably come up with a formula for it. So I was a generator of formulas. Can I name a few of those? I could, but I'm not going to go into that. So no conventional memory testing. And uh, please give me questions about that. I will, you'll get an immediate response. I don't have to think about any of this. I don't really think. I don't, I don't really think in the conventional sense. If I did, I'd be terrified and run the hell out of here. I would because I, I know that I don't know anything. And you all know stuff, right? But you know things, you know lots of things. I don't meet all students where they are. Do not set up standards that people have to live up to. This is a big misunderstanding that leads people on the spiritual path astray because they keep looking for damn results. Spiritual path is, a, is a not about results. That's the mundane path where you get a PhD in uh, uh, micro whatever which you should get, which those are valuable. I'm not saying they aren't. So then what I say here is standards actually flatten things out because then if you just keep, have a standard you're living up to um, uh, materialistically, then that can be very helpful, of course. We're not taking that away. You, you might need to do that in order to produce millions of automobiles. People learn at different rates of speed in different ways. We need to respect different ways people learn by going slow and meeting them where they're at. Um, in our Dharma book studies, uh, people come in and we study over and over and over again. And I, and I tell people, especially this material is difficult stuff, even the highly uh, intelligent uh, people with PhDs and everything come in and run into this material like the Avatamsaka Sutra. Or, or like the uh, the Lotus Sutra, 
or or the more uh, um, challenging in a different way, the Diamond Sutra. And I would say to if someone's having difficulty with the Diamond Sutra, then read the whole thing a hundred times and keep track of it. You don't have to keep track of, track of it on a mala. It doesn't have to be that kind of a thing, but read it and read it. You do not have to learn. You just need to study. You just need to read it. You just need to study it, study it. Setting up a standard for yourself actually gets in the way of your complete understanding of something like, just to use the Diamond Sutra as an example of what of the deep meaning that that has, which I think that's what uh, Monica was probably describing as she was running into. That may be, uh, may be so bold as to interpret a little bit for you. As you read that and you realize you're, you're on, like, like you, use, you use the idea of Star Wars, it's like a journey you're going on. You want to make a comment on that, Monica? And she and Monica is a scientist, by the way, so she's not one of these crazy artists. <laughs> Monica Bowen. No, I have no comment. I said it's it's like Star Trek in Buddha Land. Yes, Star Trek in Buddha Land. <laughs> like that. Very good. So um and the last uh, one I have here is what? So uh, we do Dharma book studies, which I'm going to have Uno uh, read, uh, and we and the, where the people study and study and study over and over and over, and we go back. Sometimes we get through with the book, cutting through spiritual materialism, because of the nature of that book and the way in which my experience of reading that in 1973 and then having to read it again, and every time I would read it, I, I understood something else, something else, something else. I've never stopped reading that book, but now I just read it with others. But I've read it many, many times in the 70s, uh, uh, quite often without studying with anyone. So Dharma talk training by giving uh, talks, monks give talks one a month. And uh, I was going to try to address your kind of a question yesterday about why, why not have monks do more talks a month. And um, I think what they're doing now is a lot. If you keep going, that's what you're going to be doing. That one is a lot to actually produce. I'm saying receive, receive, receive. I'm trying to make sure that the reception part is really strong from me, from the Sangha, from your life, from your relationships, from, 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 from. And then at the end of that, if you're a monk, if you're a novice monk, then study this material, tell people about it. Once and then next month, tell people about it. You follow me? Can you say why you would do it differently? Or you would do more of them. You have it in, together in, the, in what we call language. Shokudao bowing. I. It comes from the fear of when you're not here and preparing. I'm all, I'll always be here. So Isn't that obvious? Oh, you mean when I'm dead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'll always be here. And I have I have a, a dharma air. Which uh, the problem with Dharma here is there are uh, look look in history. There's always been a problem with the Dharma here, uh, but this guy's going to blow you away, and he's not listening. I don't think he shouldn't be. I don't see him anywhere. I think he's you know he's he abandoned me. He went to have Easter somewhere. Is, is that Easter? Isn't that a Western holiday of some kind? Of course it is. And it's a good one. That, that, that I would not ever mock that path at all. That's a that's a, a path. If you but you 
But to do that path, it's real easy, very easy to get misguided. Uh, people wanting power. So I'm not saying that that couldn't happen, but we might have to. It might have to happen a different way. Right now, go slow. We need to go slow. Um, Dharma talk training by the monks giving talks, and then they receive answers. And you see, and I would highly encourage any of you, if you if you're just thinking that Dharma talk, uh, the the monk talks are are not not worthy of your time. Uh, that's a big mistake. However, you wouldn't have to do the whole eight or nine talks. You could just pick out a couple or just do the morning talks. Next month, do the afternoon talks, something like that. And that way you could see it shows up quite a bit what people are going through when they start producing uh, about the material that they've been told to study and talk about. And they can actually even say something like, I don't like this sutra. Like, a Jews on did, didn't like it, and I just said, well, just give me one talk about it. So I'm not very pushy, am I? No. Well, give me one talk. And I was, and let me think about what other sutras I can give you. Well, I never have given you another sutra. That doesn't mean I won't, but I won't, I'll wait until you just fall in love with that sutra, and then I'll take it away from you. <laughs> Isn't that kind of zenny? Giving talks, answering questions, responding to questions. And the last three words I have are repetition, repetition, repetition. Come in, sit down, hold still, face the wall. Get up, go out, have lunch, come back in, sit down, face the wall. Receive, 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 receive. If you do that, eventually you see that you never receive anything twice. I don't care what you say. Nothing happens twice. If it did, you could figure all this out. Because then you could keep track. You could get ahead. You could improve. As uh, General Electric said back in the 50s, I think it was General Electric, progress is our most important product. Remember that? She does because she's <laughs> one of your elders. <laughs> you remember it. Um, so we have, we're going to have plenty of room for uh, questions, but I want, uh, Onyo, could you read, just so people realize, they might not realize, uh, you could just read a year maybe, and then read the, the, the book title and the author, or if we know it. This is a, a list compiled uh, from my notes, and I, I didn't look at our, our log. We write down who attends and what the day is. But as you said, we've been studying cutting through since We've been a monastery. Yeah. And I've, I've been studying it with a group of people since 1975. And uh, Chogadawa, I think uh, we met in the what year, 2000. Yeah. And what were we studying? Cutting through? Chogadawa, um, Central Children Trumpa, which part of it was in there. Yeah. So that. Didn't we ever go to cutting through at all? I think so. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so anyway, studying that, uh, cutting through, and yes, you're right, there's different uh, breakdowns of it coming up in different books, uh, but started studying that in 1975. I started practicing in 73, and then 75 started uh, studying that with a group of about five people, six people. You're in, you're in Battlefield. Go ahead, please. 
So since uh, easily 2011, 2012, we've over the past 10, 11 years, uh, I'll just go through them alphabetically, 108 meditations. We've just started studying your book. Sokazan is the author, of course. Buddhist Phenomenology, the Blue Book, Dan Lusthaus. Uh, we've already mentioned Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. We've studied the Diamond Sutra by Red Pine. Embracing Mind, the Zen Talks of Kobinchino Roshi. Sinsen Ming by Sing Song, the Lankavatara Sutra, mainly by Red Pine, but um, also E.T. Um, Suzuki. The Majima Nikaya by Bhikkhu Bodhi, that was one of the first books that we started on a regular basis. I think that was in 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. Meditation on Emptiness by Jeffrey Hopkins. Myth of Freedom and the Way of Meditation by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Uh, Longchenpa's Natural Perfection by Keith Dowman. And so I want to say when, it's a, when, when she's saying by, it doesn't mean that Bhikkhu Bodhi wrote the Majjhima Nikaya. These, these are translations, of yes, course. Yes. Probably, probably know that. Thank you. We've studied uh, three ver uh, versions of the Samdhi Nirmachana Sutra. One translation by Thomas Cleary, John Keenan, and John Powers. Uh, the Seven Works of Vasubandhu uh, by Stephen Onaker, that, uh, the 30 verses, and we're currently studying that one too, but we've studied it mm -hmm. back in 2017. Okay, and then we're also we're also uh, have uh, we're also chanting that thirty verses uh, in Sanskrit with the help of Chisho, uh, who speaks that language, and that helps us because then we can use the original language, and we can use uh, the way that's developed with uh, any one of the translations, uh, Anaker or any of the other. I think with Eric Wilson find, found about a dozen, as it seems like, wasn't that Eric Chisho? Yeah, he has a compilation of uh, 11 ways, 11 translations of the 30 verses, verse by verse. Right. Yes, and so the, and we don't use all of them, but they're available, so you can look around if you're studying and you're having difficulty understanding a particular, a particular I think it's called a shloka. And so, go ahead. We've also studied the Sutta Napada. Again, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi was uh, the translator of that. Uh, Buddhist Unconscious by Bill Waldron, and so we've had a couple of guest uh, teachers, and Bill was one of them, uh, and also Bruce Nelson has been here teaching various He came texts. out here once a week for a few years. Yes, like. pre-COVID, pre yeah. Mm -hmm. Pre-COVID. We've studied the Heart Sutra by Red Pine, the Shobogenzo by Tanahashi, and then... Uh, Dogen's ta uh, Shobogenzo. Yeah, the Shobogenzo, Dogen, right. Mm -hmm. Treasury of the Chudram Eye. And then essential Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche and the path is the goal by Rinpoche. And I, mm -hmm. I could have, have forgotten some too. So it's 10 to 12 years of study over. Yeah, they're very good. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, put that in there so you get an idea how this repetition is handled. We, we don't just study a, a text once. Uh, some, some we might. Uh, the er, real early texts we might not go through more than once, like the Majima Nikaya. If we ever get that finished, which I don't know where we're at in that, but then we would go to the other, the Digga Nikaya, Samuel Nikaya. I, I, I may have missed progressive stages of meditation on emptiness. We've, okay. we've studied Kem that a number of times. Kempo Solchum Jamso. Yeah. Yes, and, and one of his uh, teachings when he would hand that book to, or tell 
uh, people to read this book, he tells them to read it 10 times. So, so like I said, repetition. If Kempo says that, I mean, he might not, he might not go along with me saying it. Kempo said it. He's a Tibetan, enlightened sage. Anything else? Okay, so what I want to emphasize is, is, is to meet, the, meet everything where it's at and don't, I'll say this, I say this over and over again, and I, I'm trying to stress this, and you, you should ask questions if you're confused by this and if it doesn't help you. Don't look for results. It doesn't mean there won't be results, but the, if you look for results, then you're, you're, all, you're actually getting in the way of what is that. It's like, it's like what is a, a watch pot doesn't boil, that kind of thing. That's not exactly what I'm talking about, but it's, it's if you're always looking, trying to squeeze something to make something happen, because your idea of what needs to happen and what actually is going to happen uh, can be quite a bit different. So I have some questions about that. I've said a lot. Now you can have some, ask some questions, please. Uh, Mahesh Bowen. Yes, Mahesh. Um, so what do you mean by when you pass away, you're still there? Um, is it uh, like you, you'll not be there physically to give Dharma talks? Um, so how are you still here? Are you talking about like some kind of... Um, well, did you notice that the last time you were here and I was here, and then in between that time, you didn't know if I was here or not? It's yeah. kind of like, like that. My teachers are always here. Both of them. All three of them. All 15 of them. My teachers are always here. The teacher can't go away. Teach, the teacher is a principal. It's uh, in uh, Trungpa Rinpoche's book, Cutting Through Spiritual Material. Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism is called the Universality of the Guru. Guru means a Sanskrit, of course, for teacher. So that, that, that everything is, if you can understand what the teaching is from your teacher, then you can, then the teacher introduce you, introduces you to everything you've been ignoring about your world. Everything is teaching you, but you have to see that yourself. You have to stop blocking it. And so that's part of the process of meditation is to see how you block out your wisdom because you'd rather be a person who's got stuff and is getting somewhere making progress and all of that you prefer that kind of stuff because that covers up the fear of being nothing at all because fundamentally what is the conventional way of saying i hate to break it to you i don't hate to break this to you i'm delighted to tell this to you you aren't anyone there is no you there is no but there's still arms moving and heads being scratched and and standing like this and looking at a project and talking with someone about it, all kinds of things. Might get mad and run away. You don't have to correct any of that. You don't have to be somebody else. But find out who you are so that you so that when you do come uh, around to the time where your body mind goes back and goes back into the elements, fire, earth, air and water goes back because that's all this is made of. Most of it's water, I hear. That you you'll not be you'll be fearless you'll be able to you'll be you might even be excited and curious about going in that direction 
That's what I talked to, to, to those of you who knew to, Toji, a student of mine. His name was Transparent Earth, and he recently passed. Uh, didn't have much warning. It's just like three in three weeks or two weeks, I'm gone. And so that's the last time I talked to him. And we talked about um, basically talked about being curious about what's happening. So this is, this is your, and he felt he was already doing that. He said, be, just be curious. You can't stop this. This is just what happens to everybody. Just happens to be happening to you. I said, just be curious. be curious. Don't miss this chance just before you go into the elements again. <laughs> this is a big event, which is, it's a big event. Don't miss it. Go into it. Go into it. Receive whatever, everything is coming, your death, your life. Practice uh, receiving your life by not agreeing, disagreeing, or looking away. Uh, it's the old, uh, there's an old story of the, what is the, the monk who someone, uh, I can't remember how that goes, so you say. That's all he would ever say to them. You know that story? So you say. They came and they, they accused him of, was it impregnating someone? He didn't. But uh, they accused him of it. And then he, they brought him the child. And so he took care of the child. And then they, for a while, and then they came back and realized he didn't impregnate the mom so they took the child back and every time he would say so you say so you say so you say just let them do whatever they wanted to do does that mean that that's a standard to set up that you have to say that to every everyone not necessarily but it's just a, it's a story that people take positions on things and totally block out the reality that they are completely immersed in which is not a self there are no selves that's an incredible illusion. Yes, madame. I just wanted to say that that monk was Hakwin. Is that Hakwin? Yeah. Really? I talked about the same monk who uh, had a great realization on reading the Lotus Sutra for the second time when he was 41 years old. Was that him? That same monk. Yeah. And he was the one that said, so you say. So you say, yeah. It had the baby. Yeah. Anything, the baby. anything else to that story that I'm missing? That's pretty complete, to my yeah. knowledge. Okay. Mahesh, anything else? I know I answered your question completely. Uh, Mahesh Boyne. Um Yeah, in, in the, the concept of no self, uh, even if you're gone, you'll be there uh, because yeah, it's all one. Uh, but for the students preparing for uh, here, right, like, uh, like, like, even what what happens when you give dharma transmission to someone? Will, will that will you be will they be will that student be able to access your mind when they're actually giving talks? Will, will they have the wisdom? I don't know if it'll, I don't know if it'll, it'll be a literal accessing of that necessarily. Uh, like you, you might think uh, uh, having an appearance of the teacher at the foot of your bed in the middle of the night or something like that. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but a sense. Uh, the most important thing you can do is not worry so much about that. The teacher's here now. Listen, listen to me. If you if, if you think of you, I can't tell you I'm your teacher. If you think I'm uh, your teacher, then you might want to consider what I say. You don't you don't have to you don't have to um, 
uh, fret too much about what's going to happen in the future, so-called. Don't worry about it. Just keep practicing. The most important thing you can do is practice. The most uh, most important practice. Get to the wall. Spend a lot of time doing nothing but receiving. Practice receiving so much that that you, when you get up off the cushion, go into the world for what's commonly called post meditation, or the rest of your life. Uh, you'll be on receive. You'll actually begin to hear what people. You, you will even notice that when you talk to a person that you once projected on so heavily. Um, it won't be a result. It won't be a credential. But you once projected onto them. Now you're you're not projecting them on so much, projecting on them so much. But you're seeing that the, the the confusion that used to come at you from them in this way or that way. You see that you actually see deeper into what's happening because you're receiving. You not only receive what they're saying, but you're receiving what's causing it. You receive the you receive the what is frightening them. You, see, you can see how they're they're people who are really afraid and cover it up. Don't know they're afraid because they're angry or they're or they're shaking their finger at you or they're taking a position on anything because they're terrified of what I call emptiness or not having any security. There's a book, or was it Pema Chodron's book? The title of the book is the best part of the book, Wisdom of Insecurity. I don't know if she ripped that off from some other great teacher or not. Probably. Yes. I think you said that your teachers are still here, all three of them. Yes. I only know about two, I think. Are you trying to give me a math lesson? <laughs> After all this time, you didn't hear what I was saying. I don't know anything. Uh, no, I was talking about His Holiness the Seventeenth Karmapa, whom I'm whom I have never met, but I know him. I'm not I'm not presenting some kind of wonderful spiritual connection with this famous guy. I'm just uh, I've known him since he was born. Son, who bowing? Yes. Do you have any particular wishes for after you are no longer with us or dead, how you would like us to proceed, Son Hobang? I would like, let's see, what would I like when I'm dead? <laughs> <laughs> what would you like when you're dead? We'll see how close we come to each other. And Is that to... rhetorical or not rhetorical? <laughs> All rhetorical questions should be answered. But you, I'll give you a break on that one. So let's say, let's say I, I see what you're saying, and I don't want to um, uh, mock you or make fun of what you're saying. It's a, I think it's important. So the only thing I'm saying that I tell to everyone here who lives here, who's a student of mine, who's a monk, just continue to work together, uh, communicate, cooperate, collaborate. The most important thing is to communicate, communicate with each other, especially the people who are fully ordained monks here. You know, I don't take lightly what you did when you prostrated in front of this old teacher and I gave you those precepts twice, once at Jukai and the other time at full ordination. Does that mean you have to obey me? No, you don't have to obey me, but you can consider what I'm saying. And what am I saying? I've got close to a thousand talks on YouTube. Go listen to those or read 
I don't know. Do, you know, so I would like you to continue to study together, work together, join hands, work together. Uh, you know, any kind of struggles or in the Sangha. So Sangha always has difficulty. Sangha is like uh, Coben. Someone asked Coben Chinaroshi uh, something about how would you how would you describe uh, the Sangha? And he said referred to it as a garbage pit. So he wasn't he wasn't necessarily being negative. He was just uh, he was just saying that it's, it's a difficult area. It's, it, there's it, everybody's karma is all sitting around in piles and they're trying to hide out from some of it and promote other parts of it and everything but actually just receive whatever is there. We have all these nerve endings. What do we do? Yell at each other. We have all these nerve you could be on receive all the time. Even the even your mind stream is not does not its major function is to receive thoughts, not to think. How can I say that in a way that you could understand? I know. Wise up guys. Don't produce anything unless you have to. Don't think anything unless you have to. But if thoughts arise, that means they need to be there. They, thoughts have a right to be there. You don't have to, uh, as I was taught in the early 70s uh, by Trungpa, you don't have to do what he said. Um, but he was dealing with not just hundreds of people, but got to be thousands. And that's not a bad way to treat to talk to thousands of people that puts them all on hold until he can maybe get to them one at a time. But I say, don't, uh, you don't have to stabilize your mind. Just stop spinning. Or the other way to say is to see that you spin. If you watch the spinning without stopping it, without giving it a reason to spin or blaming anyone for why it's spinning or shutting down on it, it can't keep going. It, it gets its energy from what I would call warfare or objection or agreement. That's why I say don't go to war, don't go to peace. Take no position. You don't need a position. Yes, sir. The repetition can be very frustrating. Yes. Uh, what's important about that frustration? Is suffering. The first noble truth of the Buddha is suffering. That does not go away. When we talk about the third noble truth of cessation, it is not the cessation of the suffering. That's not going to go away. There's suffering everywhere. And as you begin to just look at your own suffering, eventually that starts to, uh, you start to see there's no one there suffering. It's, a, it's an identity crisis you're going to have to go through. Every one of you, if you've not been there yet, it's coming if you continue to practice. I can't guarantee it, and I can't say that it'll be the same for each person. Um, for, for me, it was just uh, complete embarrassment about all the bullshit I've been believing in or thinking about myself for so many years. Just embarrassing to be so foolish to, as to think that you're some, so, somehow somebody. Coben helped me with that. Um, when you're talking about not to do those kinds of tests, those memory tests, um, is that kind of memory or intelligence a kind of ignorance? What? Is is memory or or the kind of intelligence that's being tested 
with with the conventional school testing is that kind of intellect a kind of ignorance yeah it's not bad it, it seems to function as long as there's people agreeing that we should do that or do this or do that then it seems to work okay it doesn't create a lot of havoc necessarily but it can yes why is that championed in our society that kind of knowledge knowing ego everybody wants to be greatest you know just if you live in a any city where the football team you gotta or football teams you gotta choose sides uh, or, or else you have to admit you know with your you know with your head in your hands that you don't like football you follow me no well i can't explain that one to you go ahead mazuka bowing is all memory a form of ignorance it can be ignoring the assumption that there's a past there's no past prove to me that there was a past you can't i mean you oh yes you can come up with relative things that will show up but but fundamentally that's a that's not it's not really true there's, there's just now all the time it's a to say it in a in a way that doesn't reach it what it is but it gets closer maybe than ignoring it is it's continuous continuously this always it just everything just it's like being in, in a room where the furniture keeps changing around all by itself. It's the same room. You're still standing there. But consciousness is standing there, not, not a person, not personhood. The individual part, that's the part that we, the consciousness, some aspect of consciousness curls up into a knot and tries to run things. A little mini oligarch in the middle of your mind stream. No, don't do that. Uh, need more of this, less of this, on and on and on. Blaming others for how you feel. Don't do that. And how do you do that? First, you have to even be, realize you're doing it instead of just thinking you're right. <laughs> you're not blaming anybody for how, how I feel. Of course, I'm going to feel bad. Look what they did. You, you won't even realize it. Most people live their whole life doing that. It's called a mundane path, everyday path. Just getting results, getting confirmation from your friends and your cohorts and your coworkers and so on. Relatively, it's as right as anything. Go ahead. Mazuka Bowing, if we're endeavoring to look at something and we don't feel a sense of curiosity, is there one of the three poisons at work? Some kind of shutting down is probably going on. The curiosity is very natural. It's uh, of the six realms. That's the human realm. And it's just, what is that? That's always, what is this? Very simple. Not why is this, which takes you somewhere else. But what, what is that? What is that not in the middle of our chest? That is just all tightened up. And it's because of that or because of that. or has all kinds of explanations. There is no explanation for it. If it's an explanation, then that's a cover-up, which I've given several talks on cover-ups, I think. More? Is there a way we can cultivate or encourage curiosity? Face the wall. Do it a lot. 
sit there, not just when the bell rings, sit after the bell stops, continue to sit. You live what, eight, eight blocks away, something like that. You ever count them? I wouldn't blame you, I wouldn't count them either. Yeah, sit at home, sit here, sit, sit. Anytime you can find the time to sit, sit down, hold still and do nothing. Consider what the teacher's saying. Consider what your partner's saying. Don't have to believe it, accept it. Don't reject it, don't do anything with it. Just listen, just receive. Thank you. Yes, sir. So, Kodalbaun, if we uh, see that we think someone else is causing our suffering, is that a, that's a kind of blame? Yes. And so I can't change that. So is my job to observe that, receive it as much as possible? Yes. Does that ever go away? Uh, two ways of saying that. One is maybe, maybe, but the other one is it doesn't need to, because it's not occurring. If you see what it is, it's not occurring to a self anymore. It's just part of the whole matrix, the whole Star Wars, the whole, the whole, the whole. It's just a part of everything is arising of the grand delusion. And, and there is no other. You're not even there. You're, you have, there's a human form here. And there, and we have our tone of voice and our our hat size, if we wear a hat, and we have all those numbers around everything. Uh, relative truth, uh, trying to get some kind of a handle or reference point on everything. Who, our family, our our children's names, and our children, and we we're just uh, dogged about that. But that's why we have something like this, where you can. Um, sit down, hold still, and see the fun. Your, what your what is fundamentally happening, and it won't be a conclusion. If it's a conclusion, we're right back to a circle. If it's a good conclusion, result, and then after that goes, then that that wears out, and then another trek up the mountain to try to get like uh, the myth of Sisyphus, which I think you know about that, where Sisyphus was condemned to walk, push a boulder up a mountain get to the top and it would roll all the way back down. You go to the bottom again, push it all the way back up. Most of us can relate to that a little bit. Those darn existentialists. What? What's happening there? If it seems like someone else is triggering this suffering in me. It does. That's the illusion. The, the, the trigger probably is happening, but the what is being triggered does not belong to anybody. And the person who's doing the triggering is not someone. It, it's their bundle of karma that's curled up into a me going somewhere, triggering you. And yours is a bundle of karma that is taking everything personally, so to speak and running away or justifying or fighting back or you know, I'm not going to take that anymore. I'm going to do this or do that. And it's very easy to just make up all kinds of stories. And since we've been doing this for eons, we've just been doing this forever, lifetime after lifetime. Hmm? 
Is, are there any questions on uh, Zoom or someone that would like to ask a question? How do we understand tolerance? Tolerance? Yes. So my way of, uh, I'm sure there's other ways, but my way of uh, to tolerate something uh, yourself, you can't really make someone else tolerate something. And I don't know if you can even teach it to someone, but to tolerate something uh, might be to just receive it without comment. But that doesn't mean that you go, you do it in the situation. You don't set up a standard of tolerance that you're always a really a tolerant person. So that where you put up with all kinds of things, which is a, a way of, co of covering things up that is that is uh, that is backed up by uh, beliefs and opinions and ideas and judgments and so on. So but you could just receive very simply, say, uh, I'll give you an example that might relate to your situation. Uh, you you have difficulty with uh, with someone in your family, say, and you and you you receive as much as you can. You might even go in and deliberately draw them out say how how does how do you mean about that i notice you're really upset about that can you say or whatever it may be you may say can you say more you might turn your body to them and deliberately receive their outflows and they need something to someone to listen to them uh, you may need someone to listen to you too but you're also a meditator so you're also working on your mind working with your mind in such a way that you you can actually finally just listen to and i i know nothing about your in-laws or your or your husband or but i know a little bit about your children because i've met them and so i would include them i would say just receive as much as you can but don't overdo it to live up to some kind of a standard at some point you could just say uh i keep it very simple so i'm, I'm going to make up a scenario so you're listening to someone for 10 minutes who's has a complaint uh, or has some kind of negativity that, that would involve you being tolerant of that. And I would say, keep it to a limit if you can. Um, or you could say, I have, I, whoops, I got to get going. I've got something else to do and then walk out of the room, go do something else. That under that metaphor there I'm using, you could apply in a lot of places. So tolerate, but don't don't overdo the thing to try to live up to a credential of being tolerant. If you are fundamentally observant and tolerant and kind, you won't get a credential. You won't have any proof. It might be the other way. You might feel that you can't do enough to help others. You might you might feel like you're not really kind to others when actually you are. You're very tolerant of others. Do you, do you want to go further with it or is that enough to give you some help? Sometimes I feel like when I observe, I'm tolerating. And I still feel there's identity. I feel I'm the only one receive their, their, their bad karma. Don't worry about it. You're doing fine. Just keep going. It, it may not feel like to, on the spiritual path to actually make any, shall we use the word progress? I don't want to use it too much uh, because there really isn't fundamental progress. It's kind of the opposite of that, seeing there is no such thing. And that's a profound progress because you, you, there's no more war forever. You no longer fight with anything. Everyone you see is suffering in some way or another. If you meet someone that's not suffering, that's pretty rare. And some of the people who are suffering the worst 
are very good at covering that up all the time. You know, Tony Robbins, that style of always up, always happy, always positive, the power of positive thinking, Norman Vincent Peale, I guess his name was. Not wrong. I'm not saying that's incorrect, but, but, but it's not complete because it's a mundane path. The spiritual path means that no matter what happens, you're present, including your own death. Not, for, not, not uh, completely fearless about everything. Bowing, thank you. Welcome, thank you. Peter Bowing. Peter, go ahead. What is it that becomes aware of losing or departing from observing the mind stream? So uh, just, con I would say, it, I, we, all, we need to use words. So I would say just consciousness, but, but it's consciousness that doesn't have a center, that has no location in time or space or in what we call this arena. Okay. There's, there's no, it's just consciousness, but it's, uh, as there's a body here, then it's gonna hang around the body. You might, you might even say it's in the body. I don't. It's the body arises in consciousness as a form. And then we grasp at an identity. And that happens, that lasts for what, 60, 70, 80 years or whatever it may be. And then it goes down. But you, you, don't, you don't have to go anywhere. But if you're laminated to that desire frame where you have to have something, you're not going to let go of that. And you don't deserve this. I don't deserve that. I'm not putting up with it anymore. You know, that's a a little bit extreme I mean, I'm not no. I'm kind of but it, it's like that it, it has that kind of a dynamic to it and and we ha might have to go through that seeing that that's all unreal it's unreal but what what is real find out find out that so there is something uh, real but it's not a thing you, you said that the, the third noble truth is cessation Yes. That does not mean that we we will stop suffering. It's something different. Could you explain that to me a little? I'll, I'll yeah, I'll say something about it. So uh, it just means that the, the that there's no longer anyone who's suffering. The suffering continues, and suffering could get worse because now you're not protected. The consciousness that used to be localized here as somebody going somewhere, protecting themselves from this, advancing that or avoiding whatever, that is, has come apart. Uh, is, uh, the, the way uh, Kobanjuna Roshi translated the Heart Sutra mantra, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart, nothing to do, everything all at once. No past, no future. He didn't say that part, but I'm saying it. There is no past and the future, unreal. Mm. And that's part of the illusion. So there's no, there's no, um, there's no sufferer, but the suffering may come and may go. But I'll say it this way, and this may seem odd in some way, but I don't know how else to say this uh, other than uh, the way it looks here. You won't care because you, you understand suffering. You actually understand it's not something to be gotten rid of. It's something to understand about the nature of relative truth. Life, relative truth, is suffering, relative truth. So if, as long as you're alive, there's going to be discontent, dissatisfaction of different sorts, but it doesn't have to happen to a person anymore. You could actually, you could actually receive this incredible uh, experience of being a living being, because who you are is not just a living being. <laughs> I can't help but laugh about it because it's, 
it, it's so obvious. And if it's obvious to me, that means it can be obvious to you. You can see this too. It just takes a lot of work. I, I meet some people that I think, the only way I can see, I don't say this to them, but the only way you're going to see what this is, is just to sit in front of a wall for the rest of your life and have somebody bring you food. <laughs> and you might want to have a, a toilet under you too. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. So I, I guess they're so, they're, they're so tight around who they are, even though they've got a smile on their face. And there's other people that I meet and I, I meet, a, that's usually the people I meet are ready to see this. Mm-hmm. Some of them are not, but most of them are, are ready because they're, they're living on that edge. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening to a crazy person like me. They go find a civilized monk. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you for the question. Good on to Yelena. Uh, from Yolena from Croatia. Oh, Yolena. Hi, Yolena. What is the difference between karma and dependent origination? I get that question every now and then because there, there is a uh, they're, they're 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 very similar, but karma is basically pointing out cause something's coming through the air and it runs into something else, an effect, cause and effect. So that's a simple. Uh, you know, you do this and this, you're going to jail. But if you do this and this, you're going to make a million dollars. But if you do this, I mean, you could go on and on and t- say all the things, you know, you, if you don't brush your teeth, well, you know what happens then. You know, save money on toothbrushes. So, I mean, it's just a, a constant pitter-patter about this happens and that happens. If you did this, then that would happen. If, if you stopped this, that would stop. When this arises, that goes over. The traditional way is when that arises, this shows up. When that goes away, this goes away. It's it's the interconnectedness of everything. So that's a simple way to understand it, that most people can understand karma. The misunderstanding comes when you try to explain dependent origination, because dependent origination, there fundamentally aren't, you know, the 10,000 things. There aren't things. The, 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 that is not there. That's the illusion that we are deluded by. That's the illusion that we're deluded by. If we stop being deluded by it, we see that it's an illusion, and we see all this otherness, the flowers, the the gong, the table, the kotsu, the flowers, the people, this person, everything, these hands moving, is an illusion. And if you see that, you, you, you just, you're not at war with anything anymore. You see that when this chaos comes along and tries to include you, you know, you may go into it, you may not, but it will be dependently arisen. So you're, you're no longer, you're part of this whole matrix of, of, of apparent otherness that is extremely convincing. So uh, the one, karma, means uh, is a Sanskrit for the word uh, action. It means that cause and effect. And so that's very simple. We, we get that. But when it goes beyond cause and effect, that is so... It's so extreme. When I say extreme, the cause and effect has, uh, it's like rabbits. You know how rabbits are? You only have two and then suddenly you have 15,000 of them. They're just everywhere. You know, it's, it's like that. It just, and so it looks like it's too complicated. It looks like the world is complicated. There's just so much stuff going on everywhere. But uh, um, whatever is happening in, in, uh, in Croatia, 
right now with you, I assume you're still in Croatia, uh, uh, Elena, as something that's happening there uh, is not separate. It might be separated. It's so separated that that's part of the illusion, the illusion of space. And uh, I, I know uh, Monica, at some point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Monica to give us a, a, a sermon. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be a sermon on uh, what, what kind of physics is it you know, know a lot about? She's going to tell me. Monica Bowing, I don't know physics, but I can. <laughs> I can. I don't know if I can give a sermon. <laughs> oh, you could give a give a talk on uh, what's that called? Quantum. It starts with a Q, and it's always hard for me with words with a Q because I want to take the tail off and pronounce it with an O. <laughs> Painful to be not very smart. <laughs> So anyway, quant yeah, quantum. That's and that when they quantum. What I, what little I've read of it, you get down into things, the building blocks of the universe, and you start seeing the blocks start disappearing, and there's still something happening, but it doesn't have any any positionality. It's either what a particle, a wave. That's part of it, uh, but then also the 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 super is it superposition they call it. Someone read on it. Yeah, superposition. And also entanglement. I mean, come on, he's using these simple little words of this got entangled with that. No, 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 it's just entanglement. So, um, so it's like that, uh, those who have gone deep into the actual physical presence, the, uh, the underlayment of this, that's where the transition between so-called this world and that world shows up physically. But that showing up physically is not physical. And that's why it's all these uh, physicists back a uh, hundred years ago, including Einstein. He was, uh, um, I can't remember some of the things that he said about quantum physics, but it was not, he was not very kind. <laughs> he liked his formulas better. Mahesh Boyan. Go ahead, Mahesh. Um, so, like, if I'm not able to sit, uh, physically due to back issues in the future. I, I currently have some back issues. And um, if it comes to a point where uh, physically sitting is not possible, what other kind of practices do you uh, recommend? Can you hold still? Uh, right now it is fine. But uh, whenever I sit longer, like a session, I notice that my back gets even worse. So sessions are ruled out. But uh, yeah. sitting, if I'm, if I come, it comes to a point where... Um, it becomes hard. Uh, I, I don't know about any other way. I'm not, I'm not there. There might be hundreds of ways I don't know about, but I don't know of any other way. I, I know that the way the the mind seems to work and the movement of my hands or the body seems to work uh, is, is as long as there's any movement of the body other than breathing and digestive tract and things like that that are pretty automatic. Uh, holding all that still gives you a better view of what is happening in that area of the consciousness we call the mind. Uh, so it's it's not not uh, the seventh consciousness or the paranoid part of the mind, but somewhat. So it tends to go into that as the more still you are without being rigid, the more you're able to see the way in which there's no one producing these thoughts. So you have to begin to see that the thoughts are rising uh, just out of uh, we don't know where they come from, and then we don't know where they go, or if they do go, or if they actually have any kind of presence 
in in, in a physical uh, situation we're in other than our experience of them. So we're already in the other world. Just your thoughts alone, if you look at them without picking and choosing, don't select, don't object, and don't shut down. So if you can find a way to hold still, is there a body position you can get into where you can hold really still, where your where your back is not going to be affected? Oh, Mahesh Bowing. Yeah, I can I can lie down and do, or or I can sit with back support sometime for some time. But uh, that's not yeah, it, it's not as effective as uh, sitting. You're on asking me, you know, so don't answer your own question. Well, I mean, otherwise, why talk to me? So I'm saying to you, what you've told me right now it tells me what you need to do use a back support and also you can do uh, possibly if you can stand up stillness is what is important and not the length of time this is a this is zen macho crap going back they had good intentions these men but they, they missed the point because they tried to do it with control with you know, that's what this stick is for this uh ship base the original use of this is to whack people with it and then they they've softened those things up a little bit and i'm not saying that that other zen practitioners or teachers that are teaching in different ways maybe you, you know could study under someone else but if you're listening to me stillness is, is important and not length of time return to the stillness return to the stillness repetition 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 three minutes there four minutes eight minutes and then you have to take a break for 10 minutes but that session, just like in here, if you were to come here, and I, and I would be happy if you would, you would see that people sit in here and face the wall and the gong rings, and then people come and go all day long. I've noticed they don't leave as much if I come in here and sit for a day. But of course, I don't sit for a day very often, do I? I don't know what that's about. You all know what that's about. So stillness. Sit down, sit symmetrical if you can, hold very still. And then if you have to move, pay attention to the body and move. There's nothing to obey. There's nothing to live up to. This is why standards don't work. It's your body, your life. There's no one like you anywhere. That's why it's we get fooled by uh, the mirage, as, was, as I'm quoting someone here, of duality. We're fooled by it. It's a mirage. It's unreal. There's not two. You everywhere, everywhere you look, you see. If you want a self, it's everywhere. That's uh, that's part of the, the ancient Indian teachings. Also, the Upanishads that, that was talked about way before the Buddha. Well, non-duality. Uh, uh, there's pe there's people teaching non-duality without meditation practice, trying to do it with the intellect. Maybe, I think maybe some people could do it that way. But I think the best thing to do is to hold still, watch the movement and see the delusion yourself. I, pro I think probably we should um, call it a day or night. Okay, so everyone's here. Pretty soon everyone won't be here. And yeah, we'll be all right. Hi, this is Chiazan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokozan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you. <laughs>